Welcome to Talking With Tech. My name is Chris Bouguet, and over there, I think I see on the other side of my Zoom screen the very tired but very uh, excited Rachel Madel. How's it going, Rachel? It's good. How'd you know I'm so tired? I hope I don't look tired. <laughs> no, I definitely look tired. I am excited and tired. That's a perfect way to describe my state of being. Well, I, I felt that because I also feel excited and tired because you and I just got back from hanging out at the American Speech and Language and Hearing Association Conference 2021, the the second time you and I have ever met in person. We presented, we hung out, we did a little karaoke, I think. Is that part of it? I think that was part of it. So 100% part of it. I documented it on social media for everyone. So <laughs> oh, it was so much fun, Chris. I'm just like... So energized, yet so tired. Like, it was a lot. We did a whirlwind tour of ASHA. We talked to so many people. We met so many Talking With Tech fans. We presented. Uh, we did karaoke. We did a lot of things. Um, but I feel generally very energized and inspired after ASHA. And I'm so excited. Usually, I'm the one going to ASHA, Chris, and reporting back. But this year, it was in D.C. It was a drive away from you. And it was awesome. I was so excited for you to be there. Me too. Me too. I mean, I've been to ASHA before and uh, was eager to get back. That is um, great to see. It wasn't only just great to see you, but we saw a whole bunch of people that are, you know, we're friends with, that we work with our colleagues for years and years and years. I mean, I've known Sean Sweeney for... over maybe 10, 15 years now, you know? So it was so great to like see him and catch up with him. And he's just one example of all the different people that we met there in uh, at ASHA. It was just, it's like coming home, you know? Totally. I have to give Sean a, a shout out because his session was awesome. I uh, had the pleasure of seeing a lot of sessions this year. So typically I've been at a booth podcast recording for us, Chris, um, which is fun and also a different experience, but uh, a more tiring one, I think, um, just because I'm doing a lot of podcast recording and meeting a lot of people. Um, but I was able to check out Sean's session and he never disappoints. I was super excited. He was teaching me all types of tech Tools. And again, I'm a, I'm a tech person. Like I know about tech tools. I use tech tools. I teach about tech tools. So it's so fun when you go to these sessions because inevitably, you know, you're going to learn some gem or some tool or some hack that you didn't know about. And Sean Sweeney, he taught those, he taught those to me. He gave me some ideas, some new games to try some fresh uh, perspectives. Um, what I really love about Sean is that he really, um, not only is he showing you a tool or a strategy or, you know, something related to technology, but I love how he shares stories about his clinical practice and how he uses that technology or that tool um, because that's what we really want, right? As clinicians, we want to hear about someone else using it in the way that they specifically used it so that we can try to use it ourselves um, in those ways. Um, And it kind of sparks innovation and ideas. Even with tools you've already been using, you think about a different way to use those tools. Well, I think that is an important part of doing any presentation like that because I've been to presentations that we call them uh, the, the 365 crew and I call them uh, information dumps or tool dumps, right? Where it's, um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a website or here's a tool. Here's three minutes on how it is and then move on to the next one and move on to the next one and move on to the next one. The idea is let's show you how to use it and really implement it. It's so much better to have a fewer number of tools and talk about the implementation stories and how they actually work with students and how easy it is
is um, to get there so that people go, oh, yeah, you know what? That's something I can do uh, on Monday, which is, in fact, one of the conversations I had with somebody. I was by the Lesson Picks booth, and I was hanging out with Beth Poss, and someone came up and said, you know, Beth Beth and I had done a session together with um, Tally Kellerstein and, uh, on gaming, which was something that uh, Sean Sweeney did as well. Like his was Play on Words, was it, was the name of his? And ours was games Game On or something like that. The point is someone came up and said, hey, we just loved your session. What we need is a session called Use This on Monday. <laughs> that would be a great session. And this woman, she's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to put in an application. You are the ones to do it. Put in it, put in that. It would be packed. They would need to have the biggest room because everyone wants to know what can you do with a tool on Monday. Oh my God. I love that title. Use this on Monday. You're right. They need overflow rooms for that session. (laughs) Um, Now, another session that I went to that was really good and really well thought out and again, showed off the technology was you introduced to me to your friend, Chris Wenger, the speech dude, right? Oh my gosh. I love Chris. Yes. He's been a friend of mine for years and I just love his energy. And I knew for a fact that you guys would have a bromance. And that's, in fact, what happened. Yeah, it became the Chris and Chris show. In fact, we're going to announce right now that Talking With Tech is ending. We're starting a new show. No, I'm Don't kidding. Don't make me jealous. <laughs> I'm kidding. In fact, I, I think I made that joke to his um, his significant other. Like, you guys just broke up, and now Chris and I are together because, man, we totally, we totally did hit it off when it comes to technology. And what he was really talking about in his session, yes, he showed some technology, but he was talking about growth mindset, right? He was talking about the power of yet, and how uh, and to lean into hard things, don't run away from them, lean into them. They were just such great, powerful messages about, you know, when there's a challenging IEP, lean into that, get closer to those people. Don't try to avoid it or get out of it as fast as possible. You don't grow that way. You stagnate that way. And it was such a great, uh, great, great way of, of presenting it uh, with a, such a great message. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to note You can have the best information in the world, but if you're presenting it in a way that's boring and not engaging, people aren't going to want to listen to you. And I love that about Chris Wenger. I feel like he's so passionate. He exudes passion when he's presenting and you can just tell he's up there. He's excited. He even had us do a TikTok video, which I thought was amazing. Um, You can't see us in his TikTok video. I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but I was like looking for us because we were obviously in his session. Um, We're hidden in the back if you guys go to speech dude's uh, social media and check out his TikTok that he did. Um, but I just love his, his energy and his passion. And again, um, you know, we have to think about when we're presenting our work, not only what we're presenting as far as content, but how we're actually delivering it because people, you know, want to be inspired. They want to feel engaged. Um, Chris did a really great job of sharing stories, uh, of his own life, of his own clinical practice. And I just feel like that's what people connect to. Um, so I know a lot of listeners out there are presenting, you know, about AAC. They're doing in-services with their school districts and they're trying to share information with families and, you know, educators. Make sure you're thinking about how you're actually delivering the content too, because that is, you know, just as powerful as the actual content you decide to share. Not only that, Rachel, let's talk about this. Let's dig into this concept a little bit more because it seemed to be for me, one of the biggest takeaways from from the ASHA conference is that there felt like two types of sessions. There were sessions that were um, specific to academia, and, and those sessions seemed to be delivered in a way where someone stood there and kind of told you about their research. And then there was the other side, which was about implementation. And I, I cannot stress enough 
that here in contemporary times, how important the delivery of the message is. Um, you just mentioned it with the what we were talking about, Chris, but the delivery of the message, the only way people hear it um, and really do something with it and maybe are drawn to it is if it's a mix of, um, there's this old Simpsons quote that always sticks in my head, that is, you, any good scientist is half B.F. Skinner and half P.T. Barnum, right? There's got to be the greatest showman here, and, and, and that is what sticks with people, and also so ignites their passion to do something with it. People will, will um, leave sessions going, okay, I feel inspired to do it. But if it's just sort of delivered in a way that is is like, this is just the content, like you could just read it someplace, or I could have recorded it and watched a YouTube video, or like this, like one of our podcasts, let's listen to the podcast. It needs to have some sort of, I don't know, interactivity for people to 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 leave with. Is that a is that a fair way of Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You know, I feel like you and I do a good job of trying to figure out are we presenting in a way that makes it different in person and are we doing things that we can only do in person we can't do when we're delivering this type of session virtually. Uh, which I think is even more important in, you know, 2021, where we are coming out of a crazy pandemic and people are still, you know, nervous to be in person with each other. You know, I completely agree with that sentiment. It's like we are, you know, choosing to be in person at a conference and we just felt like we better like deliver something that can't be done virtually. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've done our talk. We did it just to kind of fill those in who weren't at ASHA. We talked about coaching communication partners for AAC we have that talk. We've done it a ton virtually. Um, it was a completely different experience uh, that we created for ASHA because we knew we were going to be in person finally with people. And I feel like, you know, a lot of presenters, I don't know that they think through that lens um, because they're presenting in a way that's just kind of talking about information, not getting audience engagement or creating, you know, activities and things like that to actually practice the material um, and reflect on the material that you're learning. That is so true. One of the other aspects there that I noticed, Rachel, is that I did go to those academic sessions. That's why I didn't get the impression from going to like one or two. Like I went to a bunch of those sessions and the room was typically sparse, meaning maybe less than 10 people in that in that style of session which just broadens that gap between implementation and the and the science you know and we know that is a big problem it's one of it's one of the things we tackle it's one of our goals of this podcast is to uh, bring those two worlds together so what's it going to look like next year at ASHA? And how about four years from now at ASHA? If the numbers are that bad for that sort of session, like 10 people, are there going to be like three, two? Like the gap gets wider. So I feel like it's imperative for anyone from ASHA, if you happen to be listening, or if anyone's listening and wants to send this to ASHA, that they do something to think about how they can engage audiences during their presentation so people actually want to be there. I just don't think people are going to go and listen to somebody talk for an hour. There's too many other ways you can do that. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about the same thing. 
you know, what is the conference circuit going to look like now? Because obviously we've done a lot of hybrid conferences. ASHA was hybrid. It was part of it was online and there was online presentations you could view on demand. And then the other half was in person. And it's like, it feels like a lot of conferences are going to have those options and what's going to actually motivate people to get out of their sweatpants and travel to a conference. It's going to have to be something different than what you can get on a webinar. It has to be like, no, I have to be in person at ASHA because it's a completely different experience than it is from my couch with my sweatpants and my bag of salt and vinegar chips. Mm -hmm. The only problem with being in person that I find is that it was super hot in that room, wasn't it? Our coaching session was just so hot. It was so hot (laughs) that you decided to start undressing, Chris. (laughs) Unexpectedly, Chris, of course, never fails to start doing something completely unexpected that I wasn't prepared for. In the middle of a huge audience, we had a huge audience at our coaching talk, Chris. We had people sitting on the floor, on the sides, in the back. Um, But yes, Chris had a fun surprise to share with our audience, and it involved him taking his sweater off and then his button down and then revealed underneath was... My talking with tech shirt. Of course. Of course. I wasn't going all the way down to the bare skin. Just just showing off our talking with tech gear. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it was super fun. I was super pleased with our presentation. And I feel like, Chris, afterwards, we were just so energized because of the crowd. We And, and that's the thing is like, we, of course, reflected on the session that we had. You know, what do we think went well? Like, how, why did it go well? And I feel like one of the the most uh, awkward things in a session is when a presenter is trying to get audience engagement and like it's crickets. You know, we've all as presenters been in the audience that you're trying desperately to get people to give feedback or answer a question or give their thoughts. And it's just like no one's talking. Um, And that was not our experience. Our experience was everybody was raising their hand. Chris uh, was running through the aisles of our session room, trying to get to people to give them the microphone and to contribute. And, you know, I think that We are so lucky, Chris, because we have such a great relationship with each other. We record this podcast every week and we were able to kind of come at our session with a very informal, um, fun, lighthearted energy, which I think just like everyone was relaxed and felt more comfortable contributing, which I think is a big part of why we had such great audience engagement. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that we sacrificed the evidence or the science or the research that was all embedded in the slide deck with links to go read the stuff for yourself. Uh, We synthesized that information and turned it into an experience that I think people would be like, I'm glad I was there. I I don't know that if I was in a webinar, if I was watching it remotely, I I might feel like I was leaving out. because and a big part of it was not just talking to us, but talking to each other. There was people sharing information back and forth. So sort of like putting, um, uh, put your thoughts in the chat, right? But this is like, I can hand the mic to you and you can share your experience. But then we had them turn to each other and actually practice this the skill that we're, we were hoping they would get. You know, like you don't often get to practice. You might hear somebody say something at a conference and then for, totally forget about it or not use it. Here we had them practice and I feel like... Like, in fact, one person said, remember when they were reflecting on it afterwards, we had like the last 10 minutes, they were like, this actually, this, this actually helped me. Like I had an actual problem and this person here coached me through it and I came up with an answer and it was like, wow, you know, that was huge. Well, you know, what's so interesting about that, Chris, is like, think about what we just talked about last, was it last episode uh, or two episodes ago, like learning with an authentic purpose 
right? We ask people, tell us an actual problem that you're having. And then the other person was supposed to ask reflective questions and not give advice, right? That was the activity. And it's like, we could have totally done like fake role-playing scenarios where, you know, it wasn't a real problem. But again, if we're thinking through the lens of practicing skills and doing so with an authentic purpose, I feel like that's exactly what it did. And we helped people solve their real problems. It's true. And we we only had an hour. Like if we had a full day or if we had um, yeah, any more time, any more time, we could have built in additional uh, experiences. I think one of the things you and I, I mean, actually, we talked through it right here on the podcast, how we were going to put it together. Um, but we were very intentional about it's an it's an hour long. So 20 minutes or so of talky talk to get the experience. Like so people knew what, what the content was. And then like 20 minutes or, or maybe 10 minutes in between uh in the middle to demonstrate how what we meant and then the last bit was practice and reflect you know and before you know it the session was over and we were in the middle of like people uh, coming up to the front of the room talking to us about like how they were going to try and implement this in their neck of the woods i think my biggest challenge with that talk was we just didn't have enough time like that talk has so many gems like typically our coaching talk goes through how to set goals for communication partners and like all of these really great things and it just felt so sad when we were like pruning that presentation and I was just like, most of this has got to go, Chris. <laughs> so anyway, the talk in its entirety, I feel like is really powerful. And, you know, I would love to present the full talk live and create lots of experiences for people to learn it um, just because I think it would be so powerful. Agreed. I mean, what we've done so far with that has been awesome. And this was certainly, it really, I mean, I never lost my energy, but I coming, I didn't know I could be more energized afterwards than we were. And I was like, wow, that was just super exciting. And again, it seemed like people really got a lot out of it. Well, I was going to say, Chris, I literally screenshotted a comment last night that someone posted on my social media and said that was the best talk I attended. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that was like such a great comment. And um, yeah, I mean, as a presenter, it's like to hear that, first of all, like my ego is so inflated, but also it just makes us feel like, yes, like that experience that we created actually made an impact. Now, so there was that session, but um, what else did you go to? Is there other sessions that you had some good feedback for, or, you know, that you felt like that was awesome? Yes. I actually want to shout out two separate sessions that I went to. The first was um, on neurodiversity. Three autistic SLPs walk into a NASA convention. That was literally the title. Um, and Rachel Dorsey, who we just had a, her episode aired last week on the podcast. So Rachel Dorsey was a presenting author, Hillary Crow and Carolyn Gaddy. And you guys, if you have the opportunity to watch a session of theirs, you have to, have to, have to do it. They ended up getting a standing ovation and it was well-deserved because they completely turned kind of everything that we were taught in graduate school and a lot of us are even doing in our own clinical practice completely on its head, um, reframing autism. And, you know, I just felt like their session was super powerful. And it was one of those sessions where I was like, give me more. I need more. I need more than an hour. Um, the presenters were fantastic and the content was fantastic. And I would just highly recommend, again, if you have the opportunity to watch them present, um, take it because I learned so much. I was frantically writing notes, taking pictures 
pictures of their slides um, and, you know, really trying to start thinking about the way that I'm doing my own practice um, when I'm writing goals and uh, even the language that I use when I'm talking about autism, I feel like needs to completely change. And um, I'm trying to give myself grace because I know this change is going to take some time and I'm super interested in, you know, making that a priority and an intention. And I just, you know, highly recommend following those, uh, those presenters on social media and again, listening to their presentation if you have an opportunity to, because it was just absolutely fantastic. Can you give us one uh, piece of language that you would change that you took away from like, okay, instead of doing this, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I mean, there were some, what I really liked about it from the AAC side was, um, so Rachel Dorsey, I don't know that she got a chance to talk about this in detail on her episode that we aired, but she talks about the goal writing process and how in every goal she embeds the phrase, um, when given unrestricted access to AAC, comma, student, you know, will. And so I just love that. Of course, like I geek out in AAC and making sure all of my students have access to it. But I felt like that was really important because, you know, we know the power of visual supports in AAC for autistic uh, individuals and the students that we serve. And I just felt like that was a, a big takeaway. I also really liked how she went through goals that you would typically see and really kind of broke them apart. Um, one of them was a goal that basically was uh, it was like a prerequisite goal so it was like you know student will do this thing with a field of two choices and um I suspect it was some type of prerequisite to AAC, um, to, to robust high-tech AAC. And so, you know, of course, all of the AAC-related things, I was just like, yes! I was just like throwing my fist up like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Were you pointing, so, Rachel? Were you pointing? You know, that's my move, Chris. <laughs> but I need a full extension with my point, which is not, Zoom's not allowing me to do that. My, my elbow's bent right now. <laughs> so yeah, it was just fantastic. And I, you know, if you haven't listened to that episode, 100% go back and listen to the Rachel Dorsey episode because a lot of those gems are shared in there, um, but so much more with the ASHA presentation. Awesome. All right. So that was one. Um, I guess I'll go next. I'll tell you. And then you and then you go back. Okay. We'll go back and forth. So I went to a session on floor time by Jesse Ginsburg and Jake Greenspan. Now, Jake Greenspan is the son of Stanley Greenspan, who is the sort of progenitor of floor time. And uh, there was a lot of great stuff in there, but I will say there was one kind of crucial takeaway for me. And again, it was with the language that we use. And and since you and I had done this, had just done this whole session on coaching, one of the things Jake uh, said, he said, my dad would always ask when we were watching videos together or coming up with a uh, an educational learning experience or however he phrased it, he'd always ask this phrase, who is doing the thinking? When he said that, I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, yes, I will ask that now. Whenever I'm reviewing a video with somebody or my own work, I'll look at, at if I've gone in, told a teacher what to do. They're not thinking. They're not doing the thinking. I'm doing the thinking. Just like if I go in and I tell students, you're going to do this um, or touch that or um, come here or whatever, when you're directing the experience, you're doing the thinking and the student's not doing the thinking. And you got to always ask yourself, how do I set up situations where students are the ones doing the thinking and then reflect on that and say, did I, was I successful? You know, um, just, it was just a great little phrase. I wrote it down. I'm going to stick it up in my, uh, in, in my, um, workspaces that just is always going to ask who is doing the thinking. 
I love that. And that's the thing. I love all these like gems, these takeaways, right? Sometimes it feels like it's just like one thing that you can like latch onto, but it's just like it completely change and transform what you're doing and the way that you practice. And that's what I love about ASHA and these conferences is that, you know, it's just like such a meeting of the minds. And, you know, we all kind of understand, especially in the AAC world, we all kind of understand the basic principles, right? But it's those kind of gems of wisdom of the way that someone words something or the way that someone's doing some, you know, activity that really you can latch onto and say like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about that, but that is something that I'm going to put in my back pocket and use. And I just love that. It sounds like that's the experience that you had with Jake and Jesse's. You know, and, and in fact, a lot of people have said that to me during presentations is like, I'll ask somebody about, you know, okay, how many people know about universal design? And if there's people there, then they'll say afterwards, like, you know, Chris, I, I knew about UDL, but I didn't know that phrase, how you did it. Or I didn't know, yes, I've talked about inclusion, but the way you presented it here was a new way for me. And I'm going to start using that language. And so that I felt that same way, you know, when I was a early, early grad student or and when I graduated, I knew about floor time. I mean, I had practiced it. I had become really good at it, you know. Um, so going to the session, I was like, okay, I haven't been doing that specifically in a while. Let's go see what the updates were. And that was like the big takeaway. It's just one, like, yeah, I knew about it, but now I know this, this a little bit more or know it a little bit differently. Okay. One more session that I have to shout out. Um, this one was on diversity and AAC. And the presenting authors were Christina Royster, Ama Partita, and Jill DeBronstein. Um, I know they presented this session at ATIA, uh, but I hadn't had the chance to watch it at ATIA, and I had the pleasure of attending their session this year at ASHA. And I just feel like, again, it's one of those sessions that I need every SLP, um, who, especially who specializes in AAC and is using AAC a lot in their practice, to, to watch that session because there's so many gems of wisdom um, a lot of what I left with was, wow, these technology companies, right? They need to be the ones who are making this easier for us. Um, but it definitely revealed a lot of changes. Um, a lot of these systems are, you know, including diverse symbols now and making those features easily, more easily accessible and programmable instead of having to like painstakingly go through each word and change the symbol, um, which a lot, um, prior to, you know, some of these changes was the case. And in some systems, it's still the case, um, you know, having access to African-American dialect um, through acapella, which is a new update that a lot of systems now have because a lot of speech generating systems use acapella. Um, and it was just like really great to really think through that lens. I found myself, Chris, actually going into my, uh, I have a communication board bundle that I saw on my, my website. And I thought to myself, I need to make sure this is diverse. I could have assumed that it was, but I also just was like, I felt compelled to actually look and see. And I, sure enough, it was. But I was just like, my, my mind was kind of like just thinking and my wheels were turning. And I was thinking like, wow, could I make, you know, different versions of that communication board with different languages and different symbols that are more, you know, inclusive. And I just like was really thinking about from like a 
content creation standpoint? How can I make my my resources that I sell that a lot of, I mean, thousands of people download and use, how can I make them more inclusive and culturally competent? And it, it just like totally got my wheels spinning. And I just had so many great ideas after that session. So I have to give a shout out to those ladies. And I would love for them to come on the podcast and talk all about this. So I feel like Chris, now like that we've gone to Asha, I have like a huge laundry list of people that we now have to interview for the podcast, which is a great problem to have, but I'm like, I want you to come on the podcast, Chris Wenger, and you, Jesse Ginsburg, and you ladies talking all about diversity at AC. It's just like so many people to interview and not enough time. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, I actually did go to that ATIA session. And so I knew you were in for a good show. That's why I didn't go to that one, because um, they... uh, Christina Royster is who specifically stuck in my mind. That's not uh, to say that those other two, I just, Christina Royster really taught me a bunch of stuff from the ATIA. And so, yeah, we'll bring them all on. Let's bring them all on. Get them all on here. So I want to mention another session. So I went to one um, by Meredith Goshman and I think soon to be Dr. Meredith Goshman, if not already Dr. Meredith Goshman and Dr. Rachel Johnson. And they're out of Old Dominion University. Um, And it was all about AAC camps. And we've had episodes about AAC camps in the past where people have talked about how they put them together and how they constructed them. And so I sort of, you know, looking at the title said, uh, oh, that'll probably be about this. I'd love to hear about how other people are putting together camps, you know. Um, But I also, reading in the description, it was about the research they did with the camps. And here's the thing. You ready for this? It's not what you expect. It's okay. Everyone listen. This is the time. This is not what you expect. Their research showed that after nine sessions or so of AAC camp, there was no change. <laughs> there was no change in the students there was, uh, that, were re- that were receiving instruction, uh, language instruction. There was no, uh, meaning the AAC users, those learning language using AAC. There was no change for the parents who were participating in doing sessions. There was the only change they saw was in... Um, the growth of the students who were delivering the, so the university students who were sort of putting together the camp on, they all came away feeling like they knew more about AAC. Um, so I'm, that's a quick, you know, two minute summary against people who are going to, we're going to have on, they approached, uh, uh, approached Meredith and said, can we, can we have you on the podcast to talk about this? So then that was, you know, again, first 15, 20 minutes of the session was sort of breaking down that, um, that research and kind of leading to that unexpected expected like we didn't expect that you know we expected there'd be gains because we've been doing we know the research behind the techniques we were using and our uh, and then we decompressed and talked about it and the uh the outcome from that what we all talked about in all of us who were in the room was it probably needed more time you know nine sessions is not enough maybe if they came back year after year um that's when they would and if this was integrated throughout their school year not just camp so so that maybe just one camp isn't the way to go but it's the it's the first seedling that comes out but you got to keep putting water on it you got to keep giving it sunshine you got to keep putting fertilizer on it so it continues to grow larger and larger and um 
And that was sort of the outcome that we had. And it was just a great, not only again, uh, on two levels, one, the content, but then two, how it was presented with that, here's some academics, but then let's discuss it and let's break, let's get into it. Let's reflect on it. How, why do you think this might be? And that, you know, of course me, I was just like, oh, that was awesome. Oh, I love that, Chris. Um, so was there anything else, Rachel, any other sessions or anything that you thought were particularly, I don't know, useful or different or interesting? Um, I have to give you a big shout out, Chris Bouguet, because your sessions were awesome. And of course, I could have anticipated this. So you had a session all about gaming. And of course, like true to Chris Bouguet, he was running around the, <laughs> the aisles with his microphone, asking questions, getting people engaged, playing games. Uh, a super, super fun session that you had all about gaming. Um, and I loved it. And I, it's so funny, Chris, because we talk about these things all the time. I've seen you present numerous times. And I still have things to learn from you, which is super exciting. Well, and that was a fun one to do because, um, I mean, it, you and I had never presented before in, I mean, in person, right? And so, of course, we were very confident it was going to go great and that we would have a great rapport in person. But who I was presenting there with was Beth Poss. And Beth Poss and I had presented a billion times together. So there's a natural um, synergy there, like, you know, finishing each other's sentences sort of thing, right? Uh, and then T Tally was participating from uh, she couldn't be there in person so we had the zoom going on and so we were kind of bouncing back and forth with each other but the part you missed Rachel because I think you came in just like a few minutes late um, was the um, the pregame show because there was a half hour between sessions and people came in early and so we did a whole pregame playing playing a game together in the audience and it was it was a lot of fun. I think that was like, again, a lot of people came up afterwards and said this was one of their the, the best sessions they attended. They had like, stuff that they could immediately leave with, uh, leave with and uh, then do, do on Monday games they could play. Um, of course, I talked about role playing and uh, you could see a bunch of people's eyes like light up like I thought it was a lot more complicated than that it's just simply like making up a story together it was like yeah and um i could see some people going i think i'm going to do that you know people came up after me and said i'm going to try that so that was exciting it was great you know what you also had another session that we need to shout out because i think it was my favorite session at asha i honestly feel like it was i can say this with uh, confidence you had a session about coding with robots and you've talked about this numerous times we have an episode all about it but I was super excited because I got to actually play with robots and I can say confidently I'm a coder now, which I wasn't I wasn't able to say that before your session. And now I'm like, hey, guys, I'm a coder. Um, yeah, I was pretty excited about that session. And I uh, you heard it on the podcast. I was nervous that there wouldn't be a lot of people to, that came. And I I think it was awesome. We got about 10 people in the room, partly because of my helpers. Uh, I got to do it again, a shout out to Zach and Zoe. So it, there was a session just before the se you know, the session in the room before. And whoever was presenting, I didn't get her name, um, had two children, Zach and Zoe, and they were maybe, you know, first grade and third grade. And you and I and Sarah Gregory were outside playing with the robots, like trying to draw people in. Don't leave Asha yet. It's 430 on Saturday. Come learn about robots and uh we didn't get any takers we got some people to like talk to us for a few minutes and then leave uh, maybe one person i think maybe we hooked in to come um and then uh the the kids saw through the door the robots as i came in to like to like okay is it time to come in yet and the kids immediately came up to me and they're like 
we have those at our school. We know how to code. We know how to do robots. And I was like, you're hired. It's like, go ask your mom if you can be my um, my barker and you'll get people as they come by. You're playing with, you know, cute kids playing with robots. Come on, how could you say no, right? And so the kid immediately ran up and said to his mom, can I do this? And she was like, sure. But she was like getting swarmed by people at, you know, at the end of her session as well. And so um, the kids did, gave them iPads, gave them robots, and they were out there driving. I think they got one one person in too. Um, but then, yeah, the, the session um, found people I don't just don't think you see this at Asha very often, laying on the floor, uh, playing with robots, like literally on the ground, programming a robot with an iPad, watching it zoom around. All these people kind of paired up. They didn't know each other. So much uh, communication, critical thinking, collaborating, problem solving, and such a small knit group. I totally sort of uh, threw the slide deck out the window, pulled up a chair. We pulled up we turned into a circle time sort of activity. And you were there, right? And we were just sort of um, vibing, talking about robots. And I think people left going, I'm going to use robots in my practice and that it's not as hard as I thought. And why wasn't I doing this before? 100%. I had all those thoughts. I was like, I need a robot stat. (laughs) And I know how to use it now. And again, I think that, you know, if you're reading through a, you know, course schedule and you're seeing something like coding with robots, like my natural reaction is like, that feels really hard. (laughs) That feels like not my vibe. (laughs) And It's so interesting that like we have these kind of presumptions about what we're capable of. And I think that there was like an underlying thing for me, like a story that was like, you don't know how to code. Like you can't code, Rachel. (laughs) And I should have assumed that if Chris says that I can code and learn how to code, that I probably could figure it out. And sure enough, I did. And now, like I said, I'm a coder. You're a coder. You're a coder. So yes, it was such a great time. I, I, I do have to give one other shout out. I want to do a, I, and I think uh, this is maybe I'm going to speak for both of us. We have to say thank you to Sarah Gregory. Uh, Sarah Gregory sort of, um, I, I want to ana- make an analogy here. Sarah Gregory sort of knew inherently how the the thing at the whole conference was sort of laid out where all the rooms were and sort of navigated us to where we needed to go and was sort of like, yeah, you got to go this way, that way. It's over there. Um, just sort of new. And sort of to me, the analogy was like she was sort of modeling for us because by the end, I could navigate the whole thing, right? Without explicit teaching, she just sort of modeled where I could follow me. And then by the end, I sort of knew and I was like, yeah, she just modeled how to navigate the conference. So um, and of course, a blast hanging out with her as well. Yes. Love Sarah Gregory. She's fantastic. She, yes, definitely helped with navigation. She also saved the day, Chris, because I had left our fun special stickers that we had for our audience in the exhibit hall. And I was like at the podium thinking, oh my God, where are the stickers? And I was like, Sarah, help me, Sarah. And she ran back to the exhibit hall, found the stickers, saved the day. We got to give out lots of Inspire Don't Require stickers, Believe They Can stickers, uh, educational experience designer stickers, and then of course, Talking With Tech logo stickers, which was awesome. Thank you, Sarah, for running back and getting that. It was uh, it was a great experience. Asha, 2021, thank you so much. What a great time. Any final thoughts there, Rachel? No, I mean, I think that it was really a great conference and I'm inspired 
after leaving it and excited. I feel like I have so many gems of wisdom that I got uh, from all the amazing presenters. And the, the saddest part is that there's so many sessions I didn't get to see. You know, I just felt like I couldn't I couldn't be in more than one session at once, even though sometimes we were like dividing and conquering Chris and being like, okay, you go to this session, I'll go to this session, and then we'll debrief after. But, you know, it was fantastic. And thank you to all the presenters. Thank you to all the fans who came up and introduced themselves to us. We love hearing from you and to hear that our podcast has made a difference. Actually, someone at our session, Chris, was like, your podcast changed my life. And to hear that was just so amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone who introduced themselves to us. Um, We just appreciate your support. And we're excited that this podcast can be such uh, a great resource for you all and that you guys tune in every week to hear Chris and I talk. Well, I hope we get to do it again soon, but wait, we are doing it again soon. We're going to be at ATIA 2022. We're doing a pre-conference, an entire day with us, Rachel. Um, So I guess you could look that up at the ATIA conference website because I'm not sure we have a specific URL for that. You have to go there and kind of do a search to to find and and sign up for it. The day of our pre-conference, Chris, is January 26th. That is our session. It's from eight to four, and we would love for you to join us there. So if you're going to ATAA, we encourage you to come a day early and spend it with Chris and I. So Rachel, I'll see you at ATIA 2022. For Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Mandel, joined by Chris Bouguet. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>